Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks stabilize following the lowest close in 13 months. The Fed warned of deteriorating liquidity conditions across key financial markets. And as gas prices hit a record, President Biden gets ready to deliver a speech on combating inflation. Connecticut's governor signs a budget with hundreds of millions in tax cuts, plus the manhunt for a murder suspect. An Alabama corrections officer is over. I'm Mikey Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashdale in sports. Nightmare night for the Rangers. They lost game four in Pittsburgh 7-2. to two. The Yankees top Texas 1-0. to nothing. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Hey, good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 42 points. Dow futures up 300, and NASDAQ futures up 194, 1.6%. Ten-year Treasury up 330 seconds, the yield 3.02%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.60%. Nathan. Well, Karen, this rise in futures follows the lowest close for U.S. stocks in 13 months. Hardest hit continues to be the tech-heavy NASDAQ. That index slid another 4.3%. The NASDAQ 100 has erased $3.4 trillion since the start of April. Aaron Kennan is CEO at Clear Harbor Asset Management. You know, we're continuing to see a, a dramatic sort of leakage of liquidity from the capital market system as the Fed uh, tightens policy and as the fiscal levers very much uh, close off and inflation is uh, a huge concern. Clear Harbor Asset Management's Aaron Kennan says tomorrow's inflation report, the consumer price index, will be important for market sentiment. Well, before we get that data, Nathan, we're seeing hard evidence of price pressures at the gas pump. The average retail price of gasoline has hit a record, $4.37 per gallon. President Biden will have more to say about his effort to combat rising prices in his speech today. We get a preview from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. President Biden is expected to detail the differences between his plan and a GOP proposal by Florida Senator Rick Scott that would raise taxes while allowing Social Security and Medicare to expire. Consumer prices rose in March at the fastest pace since 1981 and have Americans increasingly pessimistic about their finances despite strong job growth. It's the biggest worry for voters ahead of the November midterms. A CNN poll out last week found 8 in 10 Americans don't believe the government is doing enough to fight inflation. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Amy, thank you. And President Biden will deliver that speech around 1130 a.m. Wall Street time. Catch it right here on Bloomberg Radio. Well, meantime, Karen, the Federal Reserve is warning of deteriorating liquidity conditions across key financial markets. We get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
In its semi-annual report, the Fed cites rising risks from the war in Ukraine, monetary tightening, and high inflation. The Fed said, according to some measures, market liquidity has declined since late 2021 in the markets for recently issued U.S. cash treasury securities and for equity index futures. Fed Governor Lael Brainerd said the war has sparked large price movements and margin calls in commodities markets and highlights a potential channel through which large financial institutions could be exposed to contagion. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. We'll have more from the Fed later this morning when we speak live with Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester. That's coming up at 11 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. We are seeing some stabilization in the markets this morning, Nathan. And let's start with a look at Europe, where Bloomberg's Ewan Poss is standing by live in London. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. European stocks back in the green today. The stock 600 trading up one percentage point. That's as dip buyers emerged from the ruins of Monday's brutal route. Still, plenty of concerns about inflation and economic growth, though. But 19 out of 20 industry groups higher on Europe's stock 600 today, with banks, car makers and chemicals companies near the top of the table. Live in London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Okay, Ewan, thanks. We did see selling in Asia overnight. Stocks fell there for a seventh straight session but did pair earlier losses. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The losses on the MSCI Asia-Pacific Index mirrored the longest losing streak since March 2020, stocks remaining at July 2020 lows. Hong Kong tech shares took a dive on growth concerns and as the city resumed trade after a long weekend. Mainland Chinese shares rebounded, but BlackRock abandoned its bullish stance on China, now recommending a neutral stance on Chinese stocks and bonds as the country's response to the pandemic takes a toll. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Juliet, thank you. Bitcoin trading higher this morning after briefly falling below the 30,000 level. The recent plunge has taken the digital token to levels last seen in the middle of last year. Mike Novogratz is founder and CEO of Galaxy Digital. I still think 30,000 should hold, right? We'll see if 12,000 holds the NASDAQ and we bounce uh, in the next few days. Uh, then I think you'll see Bitcoin 30,000 30, will hold. If the NASDAQ falls and we head towards 11,000, you know, there's a shot that 30,000 goes. Galaxy Digital founder Mike Novogratz says trading will be volatile for at least the next few quarters and checking Bitcoin right now is at $31,740. Turning to the war in Europe now, Karen, President Biden plans to meet with Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi today as aid to Ukraine moves forward on a couple of fronts. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Congressional Democrats have drafted an aid package worth almost $40 billion and plan on voting this week without attaching COVID pandemic funding. This tops the president's ask of $33 billion. Biden, meanwhile, signed a World War II-era provision sending money to Ukraine. The cost of the fight is not cheap, but uh, caving to aggression is even more costly. This provision was enacted in 1941 to help Europe fight off Hitler. Congress could act as early as today. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. S&P futures right now up 42 points. Dow futures up 302. NASDAQ futures higher by 192 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 430 seconds, yield 3.01% on the 10-year note. Yield on the two-year, 2.60%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 53 degrees in Central Park. Already seeing a couple accidents. Northbound FDR Drive, one at 96th, another at 116th. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Connecticut taxpayers will see $600 million in tax relief following the signing of the fiscal year 2023 budget by Democratic Governor Ned Lamont. The law extends a gas tax holiday and child tax credit as well as increasing a property tax credit. Lamont described it as the largest tax cut in state history. Voters in Newark, New Jersey, are choosing a mayor today. Incumbent Roz Baraka will face a challenge from Sheila Montag. The Alabama corrections employee who was on the run with an escaped inmate is now dead. Authorities in Indiana say Vicki White shot herself as U.S. Marshals closed in. Officers rammed the vehicle Vicki White and Casey White were in, which then crashed. Alabama Sheriff Rick Singleton says that Casey White is never getting out again. We got a dangerous man off the street today. Uh, he is never going to see the light of day again. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing for not just our community, but that's a good thing for this country. Sheriff Singleton says this has ended a very stressful week and a half. New York's Attorney General says her state will safeguard the right to abortion if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. Letitia James says about 30,000 women just from Pennsylvania and Ohio alone could come to New York seeking reproductive care, so a fund will be established that James says will help those women. James also cast doubt on why anti-abortion activists support bans on abortion. What they should do is expand the child care tax credit. What they should do is expand universal school lunch. What they should do is provide more funding for education and child care and daycare and prenatal care. And the list goes on and on if you truly care about children. A.G. Letitia James. Andy Warhol's shot sage blue Marilyn has sold for $195 million. That makes the iconic portrait of actress Marilyn Monroe the most expensive artwork by a U.S. artist ever sold at auction. Christie's Auction House in New York held the sale. Alex Rotter is chairman of Christie's 20th and 21st Century Art Department. 20th century um, works of art, American works of art, it's the highest price ever paid. Uh, close to $200 million. Uh, let it sink in. It's quite something. Rotter with Christie's said an unknown buyer made the purchase. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tech, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 5.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashar. Good morning, Nathan. The Rangers in Pittsburgh with hopes of winning game four to tie the series at two. Instead, the Penguins with a five-goal onslaught in the second period. They scored goals 24 seconds apart and later scored goals 35 seconds apart. They won 7-2, to two, lead the series 3-1. Game five's tomorrow at the Garden. And Rangers coach Gerard Gallant has already said Igor Shesterkin will be in the Ranger goal. A little surprising considering how poorly Shesterkin played in the two games in Pittsburgh in three periods, he gave up ten goals. Alex Gorgiev relieved him in both games in three periods. He allowed two goals, but Gallant said last night Shesterkin is the best goalie in the NHL. Colorado won in Nashville to complete a series sweep. Florida beat Washington in overtime. Calgary beat Dallas. Those series are tied at two. The Islanders fired coach Barry Trotz. NBA playoffs, Boston rallied to win in Milwaukee. Golden State beat Memphis. Sparse crowd at the stadium. It was a Yankee matinee makeup of a rainout. Those that were there 
Saw a near no hitter. Nestor Cortez lost it with one out in the eighth inning. Kind of like fifth going into the sixth. Uh, I kept uh, looking up at the scoreboard, uh, see where my pitch count was and stuff like that. So I knew I was in a good spot and, and you know, noticed that I, I, I didn't get up a hit. So, uh, you know, it was, it was special. And he scored the game's only run. Bottom of the eighth, ribbon in a double by Anthony Rizzo. They top Texas one to nothing. They've won 13 of their last 15. The Giants. Tried to trade cornerback James Bradbury. Instead, they released one of their best players. They had to for salary cap reasons. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. S&P futures right now up 45 points. Dow futures up 323. NASDAQ futures up 204 points. Bit of relief after the five-week slide for U.S. stocks. We'll talk about this market next with Daniel Morris of BNP Paribas Asset Management. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, breezy, upper 60s today. will be mostly sunny with a high near 70 tomorrow. Sunshine mid-70s by Thursday. Right now, 53 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are rallying this morning along with European shares as dip buyers emerge following yesterday's sell-off. Sentiment does remain fragile over concerns about inflation and economic growth. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 46 points this morning. Dow futures up 324. NASDAQ futures up 204 or 1.7%. The DAX in Germany is up 1.7%. Ten-year Treasury up 230 seconds. 3.02%. The yield on the two-year, 2.60%. NYMEX crude oil is down three-tenths percent or 31 cents at $102.74 a barrel. COMEX gold is up a quarter percent or $4.50 at 18.63, 10 an ounce. The euro, 1.0569 against the dollar. And the yen won 30.24. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Ukrainian officials say Russia is pounding away at Ukraine's vital southern port of Odessa. Meanwhile, President Biden says he's worried that Russian President Putin doesn't have a way out right now of his war in Ukraine. NBA playoffs, the Celtics beat the Bucks to even their series of two games apiece. The Warriors beat the Grizzlies. However, Warriors coach Steve Kerr tested positive for COVID. In the NHL playoffs, the Rangers lost to the Penguins, fall behind three games to one. Capitals lost to the Panthers. In baseball, the Yankees, Orioles, Giants, and A's all won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and Daniel Morris is with us now, Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas asset management as we look at green on the screen for a change this morning daniel good morning are you buying this dip good morning uh we haven't changed our allocations recently generally we're still slightly underweight uh, on equities a little bit cautious we see too many things that could get worse as opposed to getting better in the near term well let's dive into some of those things i mean uh, inflation's got to be front and center is that front and center for you 
Well, I think what was quite curious about what happened uh, with this last earnings season is if you just looked at the figures objectively, they were, were pretty good. Uh, growth was, was good. Prices were positive. Guidance was, was average. But in this environment, that's actually not so bad either. But in contrast to what we had in the first quarter when earnings came in, markets started to rebound, we really didn't see that this time. So I think that signals kind of the really fundamental shift in sentiment, which is, as you point out, linked to inflation and really primarily linked to what the central banks are going to do, what the Fed is going to do in response to that inflation. So we're focused on the risk from rates, particularly the risk to growth stocks uh, from rising real yields. And we think that particular phenomenon has not played out yet. Are you seeing signs of peak inflation? Well, it should on a headline basis uh, be peaking now, but that's not particularly comforting because what we're really worried about is certainly what the central banks are worried about, you know, is core inflation. And it's, if you look, for example, at core rates in the U.S. versus, say, the eurozone, uh, this is where you see a real distinction in kind of the underlying economic dynamics right now. You know, headline inflation because of bottlenecks, because of, of energy is high pretty much everywhere. But core inflation is much higher in the U.S., you know, driven at this point, I would argue at least – uh, partly by the fiscal stimulus that we had. Of course, there's just fundamentally too much demand right now relative to the productive capacity of the U.S. economy. That's pressuring wages. That's going to worry the central bank. Uh, and that's why you're expecting a much t- higher and more rapid increase in rates in the U.S. than you see in the eurozone. Do you think that the uh, Fed's front loading of rates is going to have an impact on where inflation goes from here? Well, I mean, that remains the, the key unknown both for, for us as investors and for the Fed as the central bank. I mean, really, the, the bet in now is that the tightening that they have planned, and of course, we're still, relatively speaking, in fairly accommodative monetary policy. We're just trying to get back to neutral for a start, that with the rollover of a lot of these honestly transitory effects, be it from energy, be it from supply chain bottlenecks, that reduces some of the pressure. And then with the increase in rates, hopefully you start to see uh, the wage gains moderate because you just can't have 5 to 6% year-on-year wage gains when you want to have a 2% inflation target. So if between now and, say, the autumn, you start to see that moderate, then we're going to be okay. But the Fed's going to be watching more than anything else, those wage figures. And if they don't come down enough, then there's going to be the concern the market has to price in yet further hikes beyond what we already have been. As we do see rates begin to go up, Daniel, what is that going to mean for tech stocks? We've seen that sector in particular get hit pretty hard as the market tries to digest what the rate environment is going to mean in the next few months. Yeah, well, easy come, easy go. If you look back at where PEs were prior to the pandemic, around, you know, 21, 22 times, uh, we peaked at about 31 times. And, you know, anyone at the time hopefully wasn't trying to say, oh, that's okay, that's rational. Uh, it's different this time. So now with the sell-off, we're really just back to where we were pre-pandemic. And that may be enough, you know, whether we necessarily get PEs to honestly cheap levels, that would certainly be far lower from here. You know, we got to remember if you're at fair valuations now for tech, which, you know, isn't enough itself a question, but you still should have uh, much stronger earnings growth in growth stocks, kind of by definition, than you're going to have in other parts of the market. And that really should, you know, play out enough over time that you, you still anticipate a positive return. It's just whether or not you want to be clever, if you will, uh, and anticipate further falls in valuations. You know, that is possible. I mean, real yields are now back to about 0% for 10-year, uh, which is a big move. That's what's driven the fall in valuations on, on, on gross stocks. Uh, but you could see another 50 basis point rise. So, like I said, this hasn't played itself out completely yet.
In our last 30 seconds here, Daniel, what do you make of the surge we're seeing in European stocks this morning? Don't, uh, doesn't Europe still face a lot of headwinds from the war in Ukraine and the uh, sensitivity to commodity prices? Absolutely. And, you know, we had kind of the, the bounce back a couple of weeks ago, which we were um, uh, skeptical about. We'd be skeptical about this one, because if we look at the horizon from here, yeah, again, we just see further headwinds because of, because of the conflict. If you look at earnings provisions, they've actually been relatively robust. We don't really believe those numbers. And the other thing to keep in mind, you know, if in your, the Eurozone, you get the same type of wage pressures you're having in the U.S., you know, the phenomenon of expectations for rising policy rates, that's it's going to translate to Europe, and we're seeing now in the U.S. what that does to equities. Thanks, Daniel. Good having you on with us this morning. Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Right now, S&P futures are higher by 42 points. Dow futures up 292. NASDAQ futures up 196 points. Just ahead, more on this volatile market. And President Biden putting a focus on inflation. Top stories of the morning just ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by the New York Community Trust. Your name will live on as a champion of the causes you care about for years to come through a charitable bequest to the New York Community Trust. Learn more at philanthropist.nyc. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are higher a day after stocks closed at their lowest level in over a year. The Nasdaq fell 4.3% yesterday and has erased over $3 trillion since the start of April. Dan Ives, senior equity analyst at Wedbush Securities, believes the tech-heavy index is adjusting as we move past the pandemic. Long term, it's healthy. It's painful in the near term. You got to separate the work from home, e-commerce, profit with tech that's down 70% versus what I view as more the high quality stalwarts where we continue to own in terms of cloud software, cybersecurity, exposed names. Dan Ives at Wedbush Securities says there could be more pain ahead for tech despite a strong long-term outlook. Well, overall, Karen, investor sentiment does remain fragile with inflation running hot. The Fed is warning of deteriorating liquidity conditions across several markets. For more on the central bank, stay tuned for an interview with Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester. That's coming up live at 11 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, Nathan, the pain at the pump continues. The average retail price of gasoline hit a record high this morning, $4.37 a gallon. President Biden will discuss plans to curb rising prices later this morning. Tune in to Bloomberg Radio at 1130 Wall Street time to hear the president's full speech. Overseas, Karen, European stocks are higher, while the open was sharply lower for Asia markets. Mainland Chinese shares rebounded, but BlackRock abandoned its bullish China call amid COVID lockdowns. Shares in Hong Kong. Japan and South Korea all slumped. And Nathan, as the dollar halts its three-day rally this morning, Bitcoin is rebounding after it fell below $30,000. Billionaire crypto investor Michael Novogratz remains bullish on the token, but warns of more volatility. While the short-term you know, outlook is painful, and it's, and it's going to be 
like I said, volatile with the rest of assets as the Fed adjusts from free money to, to normalized conditions. Uh, I really do still see this as a very exciting asset class. Galaxy Digital founder Michael Novogratz says Bitcoin could dip further if the Nasdaq continues to slide and Bitcoin currently trading at $31,400. And turning to the war in Ukraine, Karen, Congress has drafted an aid package worth close to $40 billion. At the same time, President Biden has signed a measure making it easier for Washington to send weapons and supplies to Ukraine. The war is now in its 10th week. S&P futures up 42 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 533 on Wall Street, 53 degrees in Central Park, still dealing with two northbound accidents on the FDR Drive. We'll get you the details coming up in traffic. Michael Barr is here first with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont calls it the largest tax cut in state history. Connecticut taxpayers will see $600 million in tax relief following Lamont's signing of the law on the fiscal year 2023. The law extends a gas tax holiday and child tax credit. It also increases a property tax credit from 200 to $300. Attorney General Letitia James says New York State will safeguard the right to abortion if the Supreme Court moves to overturn Roe v. Wade. James says that women in state will be protected. New York obviously is a compassionate state, a state that cares about others, and a state that recognizes that if one individual um, is is not free, then all of us are not free. A.G. James also says about 30,000 women just from Pennsylvania and Ohio could come to New York seeking reproductive care, so a fund will be established that James says will help women from out of state. Authorities say a former Alabama jail official has died, and the murder suspect she is accused of helping to escape has been apprehended in Evansville, Indiana. The two fugitives were on the run for more than a week. They were caught after U.S. Marshals pursued their vehicle and then crashed into it. Officials say Casey White surrendered and Vicki White shot herself. She died from her injuries. Lauderdale, Alabama County Sheriff Rick Singleton on Casey White. He will stay in handcuffs and shackles while he's in that cell. If he wants to sue me for violating his civil rights, so be it. He's not getting out of this jail again. Sheriff Singleton says they got a dangerous man off the street. South Korea's new president has used his inauguration speech to push for a solution with North Korea. Yoon Suk-yeol plans to help transform the North's economy if it genuinely begins a complete denuclearization. Ferdinand Marcos Jr. won a landslide victory in the Philippines' presidential election. It brings his family back to power in Manila 36 years after his dictator father fled the country. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stanshaw. Nathan, what's happened to the Rangers after a 52-win regular season? They played the Penguins three times in a two-week span late in the year, and they won all three, but they've lost three or four in the playoffs, and it was 7-2 last night. The Penguins with seven different goal scorers. They scored five times in the second period. Twice, they scored twice in a span of less than a minute. Rangers are a young team. Coach Gerard Gallant was asked if that's the reason for the postseason struggles. I wouldn't use the word inexperience. I'd use the word not committed to playing the right way. You know, I mean, we played the right way in in, uh, in New York. There's no reason why we can't wait to play the right way tonight. And uh, it's not from the inexperienced guys either. I mean, they're they're a part of our group. But tonight, you're seeing a lot of 
a lot of stuff. Bad plays by a lot of people. Igor Sesterk in the regular season allowed an average of just over two goals per game. He played three periods in Pittsburgh, gave up ten goals, and yet Gallant says he is sticking with Sesterkin for game five tomorrow at the Garden. When Lou Lamorello ran the Devils, he had a history of making coaching changes. He now runs the Islanders, and he just fired Barry Trotz, who won a Stanley Cup in Washington, had playoff success with the Isles. They missed the playoffs this past season. NBA Golden State played without its coach. Steve Kerr tested positive. Mike Brown just named the new coach in Sacramento. He coached the Warriors to a win over Memphis. Boston won in Milwaukee. Yankee bats were quiet, but Nestor Cortez was nasty. was five outs from a no-hitter. Yanks finally broke up a scoreless game. Eighth inning, they beat Texas one to nothing. The Giants, for salary cap reasons, forced to release cornerback James Bradbury past two seasons. He was one of their best players. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. New York State is adding pressure on meat companies already facing heat in Washington for elevated prices. Tyson Foods says it received a subpoena in April from the New York Attorney General's Bureau of Consumer Frauds and Protection. It was seeking information regarding sales, prices, and production costs of beef, pork, and chicken products. A seat in a Blue Origin New Shepard space capsule was auctioned for $8 million last night. The high bidder, Ken Griffin, founder of hedge fund Citadel, he will donate the spot to a New York City school teacher. Monday's event at Manhattan's Javits Center raised a total of $126 million for the Robin Hood Foundation. Well, the New Jersey Seafood Festival in Belmar is coming back for the first time in a couple of years after a long COVID hiatus. Celebrating its 35th anniversary, the festival takes place from Friday, May 20th through Sunday, May 22nd. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Fuel costs soaring into summer look set to squeeze consumers. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that Kraft Heinz is taking steps to make its ketchup bottles more eco-friendly. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on WBZ in Boston, I'll be reporting on a big breakup in the dating app world. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on Prince Charles standing in for the Queen at the state opening of Parliament, a speech laying out the government legislative agenda as Boris Johnson hopes to reboot his premiership. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting the Cavaliers finished 15th at a ranking of the cost of taking a family of four to a basketball game. Well, and those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. President Biden wants to make it easier for Russian scientists, engineers, and tech workers to move to the U.S. by temporarily suspending the need for a sponsoring employer. It's a smart and long overdue move. Even before the war in Ukraine, Russia was short at least 500,000 tech workers. The invasion has led to further brain drain. By accelerating departures from Russia, Washington would erode President Putin's ability to fight abroad and undermine his repressive machinery at home. Helping Russians with coveted skills to resettle would also benefit the U.S. economy, which in the past has gained from similar efforts. Professional migration is a powerful tool that makes the most of U.S. soft power. In time, similar policies are worth considering for other troublesome governments left vulnerable from brain drains. Human capital, after all, is the hardest to replace. 
This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPI and go. Futures moving higher on this Tuesday morning. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, breezy, upper 60s today. will be near 70 and mostly sunny tomorrow, mid-70s by Thursday. Currently 53 degrees under a clear sky in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are rallying this morning along with European shares as dip buyers emerge following yesterday's sell-off. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 41 points. Dow futures up 279. And Nasdaq futures up 199. The DAX in Germany is up 1.6%. The 10-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds. Yield 3.01%. The yield on the two-year, 2.59%. NYMEX crude oil is down 9 tenths percent or 94 cents at $102.15 a barrel. Comex gold up a tenth of a percent or $2.30 cents at $18.60.90 an ounce. The euro 1.0556 against the dollar. British pound 1.2326. The yen at 130.17 and Bitcoin this morning is higher at $31,525. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden signed into law a measure designed to make it easier for the U.S. to send weapons and supplies to Ukraine as the country continues to fight off a Russian invasion that began in February. For the first time in more than 60 years, Queen Elizabeth will not attend the opening of Parliament. In the NBA playoffs, the Celtics beat the Bucks to even their series of two games apiece. The Warriors beat the Grizzlies. Warriors coach Steve Kerr tested positive for COVID. In the NHL playoffs, the Rangers lost to the Penguins to fall behind three games to one. The Capitals lost to the Panthers. Baseball, the Yankees, Orioles, Giants, and A's all won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thanks for coming up to 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak with a focus on inflation this morning. That's where President Biden's attention will be as he prepares to give a speech later today on arguably his most politically difficult issue. Issue just about six months before the midterms. Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew is with us this morning, host of Sound On here on Bloomberg Radio. Joe, good morning. We knew that the president was going to be delivering this speech later this morning, but it is uh, very tough to overstate the difficulties that the president faces when it comes to getting voters' minds on where he plans to take inflation, what he plans to do about it. Well, that's for sure, and it's not a new topic, of course, for this uh, White House Nathan, it's gotten to the point where it doesn't really matter what topic the president is discussing from the war in Ukraine to any domestic issue. It's typically through the guise, through the prism of inflation. And we got a bit of a preview of this speech last week. As you might remember, the president was talking about deficit reduction, touting uh, his administration's efforts in that area as a tool to lower inflation. And he took time to contrast 
his administration's approach to the economy with what he calls the ultra-MAGA agenda. Interesting to hear him make that pivot last week. That, that, that refers to the economic proposals put forth by Republican Senator Rick Scott as kind of an alternative in this midterm cycle here. The White House, though, says the president will call out Republican plans again. And we expect a more deliberate cataloging of, you know, what the administration has already done to fight inflation over the past nine months or so. Remembering this goes back uh, in quite some time before the war in Ukraine, releasing oil from the strategic reserve, pushing ports on the West Coast to work 24-7. The president, though, is also going to call on Congress, Nathan, and this is where you're going to say deja vu, Mm -hmm. to do more with proposals to lower prescription drug prices, extend the child tax credit, move to more renewable energy sources. These were all components of the Build Back Better plan, of course, that never got through Congress. It sounds like we're going to be hearing about them again today. And those are components, Joe, that Republicans would argue might be adding even further fuel to yeah. inflation on the fiscal side. That's right. And the, the White House adamantly disagrees with that. They see this as an effort to lower inflation, whereas Republicans say it's the very opposite. And this is why things got so bogged down at the end of last year. And, you know, Nathan, now that we're in the throes of, of primary season, the job gets a lot more difficult. Case in point, the Ukraine funding that the president had requested, asking for $33 billion. Democrats are now basically dropping the idea of attaching COVID response funding to that bill, and the president had to make that clear. Uh, It was something he was recommending, but it's going to bog this down. It might keep it from passing, so to make sure it gets done, it looks like this will be a clean bill. That's how difficult it is to move legislation in Congress this season. Do we have a sense, Joe, about how voters feel about the Republican plan to tackle inflation? We know where sentiment lies in terms of how they feel about prices right now. But Mm -hmm. in terms of the plans, do we have any idea where voters stand uh, on where the Republicans are, where the Democrats are? It's a little bit difficult to say on this. I mean, we have seen polling uh, that makes it clear that a vast majority of Americans actually do not believe the government is doing enough to fight inflation. When it comes to to Rick Scott's plan specifically, difficult to tell. I mean, this is a proposal from someone who's not actually a leader of the Senate, but it's interesting that it's getting the attention of this White House because the White House says it'll raise taxes on 75 million Americans and will sunset or at least uh, offer to sunset programs like Social Security, Medicare, social programs that will need to be re-upped every five years. This is something that the president has spoken passionately about. He even raised his voice talking about the outrage here for people who have been, you know, contributing to Social Security for the balance of their lives. So the White House sees an opportunity here, to your point, six months to go to start drawing the distinctions. And frankly, Nathan, if you talk to political analysts, it may be a bit late for that. And we'll be hearing the president's speech live at seven for around 11.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Yes, we'll have sir. it for you here on Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew with us ahead of that this morning. Joe, thank you. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Partisan bill passed by the Senate would provide security to family members of Supreme Court justices. The measure was passed after protests over abortion rights were staged outside the homes of some justices. Activision Blizzard asked a court in Los Angeles to toss out a lawsuit in which the state of California accuses the game maker of discrimination and sexual harassment against female employees. Connecticut taxpayers will get $600 million in tax relief for the 2023 fiscal year under a budget signed by Governor Ned. 
at Lamont. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. Now that the Supreme Court appears to be willing to revisit and likely reverse presidential cases like Roe v. Wade, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is proposing challenging another precedent. Abbott says Texas will resurrect a 40-year-old Supreme Court case, Plyler v. Doe, that established the right of all students to a public education, whether they are here legally or not. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Knight. Tell us about Plyler versus Doe, which has been on the books for 40 years. Plyler versus Doe was a very close decision. It wasn't a slam dunk by any means. And what the court ultimately did, and this was sort of a very difficult decision in terms of precedents that would be reexamined, is they said, well, first of all, we're not going to declare a fundamental right to an education because then you sort of engender that there are all these lawsuits then about funding and kids in certain places not getting as much funding as kids in other places. So they didn't want to go down that route. And so instead they said this is an equal protection violation, but there's no scrutiny that needs to be given. This has to go under the rational basis test because the government is allowed to discriminate between people with immigration status and people without, but we can see no rational basis whatsoever for excluding children who don't have legal status from the schools. It's too cruel. It doesn't solve anything about the parents' motivation to come here, and so there's no tie to it. And so the question is, Given how close a case and decision that was back then, and given a at least idea now that's out there that the courts may start looking at past precedents, the state of Texas is saying, well, why don't we take a run at this issue, given that we believe we could find at least five, maybe six justices to say that there is a rational basis to say that kids without status shouldn't be going to public school as opposed to kids with status. So I'm wondering how Texas would go about this, because it's not like the Biden administration is telling them to do this, so they can't sue the Biden administration. This is a Supreme Court decision. They can't sue the Supreme Court. How would they even get this before the court? Well, what has to happen is the Texas state legislature would actually have to pass a law that would, again, it would be, at the beginning, an unconstitutional law, but they have to pass an unconstitutional law that banned undocumented students from being able to go to school. Or maybe they might pass a law that charges undocumented students full tuition in order to go to school. Then that would create a situation where if it's not challenged, the kids can't go to school. But if it's challenged, then it would go all the way to the Supreme Court to decide whether that law can prevail or not. And that's Leon Fresco, our partner at Holland and Knight, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. And futures this morning on the rise. S&P futures up 30 points. Dow futures up 207 NASDAQ futures up 160. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. 
Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. 